Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of GTF Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia, and before we get started, I want to let all the barflies know that this Saturday we're having a little get together. That's right. It's this Saturday at King's Entertainment. A number of barroom show hosts will be there. It is at 5505 Park Place in Rosemont, Illinois. It's from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock. There's bowling. uh, There's uh, booze. There's tons of TV screens. So hopefully you can join us and buy me a drink. (laughs) So um, many of the barroom show hosts will be there. I know one person unfortunately who's not going to be there and that is the star of this show greg gabriel greg come on in here how are you my friend i'm wonderful how are you i'm doing good although i gotta tell you that last week we did a show and you said man we're not going to trade anybody and then uh uh, Robert Quinn is traded. And then you tweeted out, eh, I don't think, I don't foresee any more trades. What's happened? Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn are both gone. We've got a lot to talk about. Your thoughts? Um, you know, I totally get the, the, the Quinn trade. The, he's 32 years old. He's making a lot of money. Um, you can get a quality draft pick in return and based on the amount of money he's making and his age, chances are he would have been released at the end of uh, this season anyway and, and wouldn't be back next year as they want to get younger moving forward. So I got that one. But then after the trade, Ryan Poles, you know, comes out and said, you know, I'm, I'm totally aware of what this does to the locker room, especially – you know, when you when you trade guys that are very, very revered, for lack of a better word, within the locker room situation, and he turns around, he trades Roquan yesterday, who, like Quinn, is a big part of that, that locker room culture. They're well-liked, they're well-respected, they're leaders. Uh, Quinn, more of a silent leader, leads by example. Roquan really a, a, a little bit more vocal, but uh, still more example type leader, uh, leading tackler in the league. But again, I, I get it. If it was me, the way I'm brought up was brought up in the league, I don't think I would have done it. You know, I don't know if you saw it yesterday. I had a little uh, Twitter chat conversation with Dan Pompey. Mm-hmm. And and Dan Pompey was against the uh, uh, the trade, and, and you know we all respect Dan. He's a he's a Hall of Fame writer. And then I tweeted above it, you know, quoted the tweet and said this, and, and I said this is the way I was brought up in the league. And he responds with draft, develop, reward. And again, that's you know this is a guy who's a top eight pick. 
in the draft in 2018, yet they're sending them out the door. Now, people say, well, you don't pay off-the-ball linebackers that kind of money. I, I disagree with that, especially within the, the this scheme. The Will linebacker is the most important player on the damn defense. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not going to pay him, who the hell are you going to pay? You know, so for that point, and then there's guys, you know, you look up some of the contracts. Okay, Leonard in, in – uh, uh, Indianapolis is making a lot of money. Warner in San Francisco is making a lot of money. And then I looked because I didn't know what his contractual situation was. I wanted to see if if he was going to be like a free agent at the end of this year. Uh, Matt Milano from Buffalo, who's their Will linebacker and a great linebacker. Well, they just restructured him going into this season. And it comes out to an average, and you know, I just looked at it quick. I might be off by a couple of dollars, somewhere in the $14, 15000000 million range. So don't tell me you don't pay good players at that position, because they do. But the, the reality of the situation is that the Bears have chosen not to pay Roquan Smith. What? How much do you think that the animosity that brewed between – Roquan Smith and Ryan Poles during that contract negotiation had to do with moving this player out of the clubhouse? Honest answer, none. And the reason why is you expect that in contract negotiations. I've been involved in a lot of these things, you know, as far as being in the meetings and, and, you know, or Cliff Stein's doing the actual negotiating, but, you know, People say, we went through this with Lance Briggs, you know, and other things. You hear a lot of things. You MF each other type, well, more the player than the team. The team usually keeps their mouth shut. uh, But it goes in one ear, not the other. So what? You make the deal, everybody's happy, you know, and you're back to having a nice marriage. It, It doesn't mean a thing so you know people pointed that out on twitter yesterday i in all honesty because i've been through it i laugh at it because it and and you look around the league and and, you know you, you see where there's been you know tough negotiations going on between players debo samuel perfect example i want out of here they don't respect me they don't like me well he loves it in san francisco now because he got his money yeah, exactly. now, okay. Now people can say Roquan's not worth twenty million dollars. Maybe he's not, but maybe if you offered him seventeen, you're going to get a deal done. I don't know what the deal is. They, but they, it's it's as simple as this. It's not that I'm for or against the trade. It's they had him eight games within the system, and they decided that they wanted something different, and. So they moved on and, and they got, you know, a, a second and a fifth is, is pretty good. And they got, you know, as a throw in AJ Klein, who is not, you know, he's not chopped liver. He's not, he's not a bad player. He's mainly a Sam linebacker who doesn't play much in this scheme, but he can play the mic if uh, he needs to. Um, what what's really important here, Aldo, is what they do with the picks. How are these picks? And and you know now they got to fill that position, so it becomes a need. 
-hmm. Now, there could be some exceptions there. Okay, what are the exceptions? Somebody could step up from the existing players. Now, okay, everybody's a big fan of uh, somebody just came in to see me. Oh, my dog. It's done it. <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, Sanborn had a real good preseason, but he's an undrafted free agent. He was an undrafted free agent for a reason. Okay, now he may come in. I personally, I think he's better at Mike than he is at Will. Part of it is is his athleticism. The um, lost my train of thought there for a second. The it wouldn't shock me, and we'll this wall, and and you won't see it, you won't hear about it in practice, unless Flus breaks his silence on things. Wouldn't shock me if Morrow gets moved over to Will, and then they put Sanborn in at the mic because I think Sanborn's better off at the mic. Uh, and from a skill set point of view, Morrow can play the Will. There's not a huge difference between the two, mm -hmm. and and what they're being asked to do, but the way the defense is, is set up, everything gets funneled towards that will linebacker. Um, and, and Morrill's been pretty productive since he's been here. The other name who couldn't, who's really, somebody said oh, he had a tantrum. Who cares if he had a tantrum going back? That, that means nothing. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what you expect in, in contract negotiations. Um, the other guy, it's sort of like the silent name that might make sense in this is Sterling Weatherford. And I was, you know, and you look at that name, remember Gilligan's Island? Yeah. Thurston <laughs> Powell the third. That's what you, that, that's the name you need for Sterling Weatherford. You know, he yeah. seems like some monarch or something, you know, I'm working in the analytics department. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but you but like this guy, another undrafted free agent, very instinctive. Mm-hmm. Not that big. Uh, he's only about, well, he's probably 230 now, but, uh, you know, the Colts did not want to lose him. You know, they had a wave him, wanted him on the practice squad to be able to bring up. He had a good preseason. Uh, he's very, very athletic. So that's a name to, to figure in, too. So maybe in their thinking, they've already got the situation solved. Now we got to see it play out, and until we see it play out, we're not going to know. They're always going to be a step ahead of us because you know we're getting it on the back end. Mm -hmm. So Alex Smith, Alex Sims, excuse me, asked the question: Would you give Roquan Smith twenty million dollars a year? Well, okay. Here, here's the the option you had. You had the option of putting the tag on him next year. The tag would have been, if I'm correct, I think in the area of around 18 and a half. So that's your, that's your starting point. So if you can get an average of 18 and a half, that's not 20. Everybody says 20, but you know, you go back to the one thing he said when they said, well, they can tag you next year. Would you do that? And he goes, I'd sign that in a minute. Yep. <laughs> a lot more money than I'm making now, you know? So he already gave into 18 million, 18 and a half million. You never know. We don't know where Cliff went money-wise on this, and we're never going to know. Mm -hmm. 
Indeed. Um, so uh, Sam Rush asked this question. Roquan has missed too many tackles. It's not a question, it's a comment. Roquan has missed too many routine plays at critical points in the game for me to command inside linebacker, uh, for, for him to command inside linebacker money. I wonder how hard he works off the field in the weight room and if he's putting in the work. Your thoughts, Greg? Uh, I, he's known to be an extremely hard worker. What he did this past offseason, I don't know because, you know, he had kind of like his – his uh, walk-in or hold-in or whatever the hell they call it. And, and uh, you know, he wasn't participating in practice during the offseason, but he was there, takes care of his body. I don't think, in fairness, he looked as fast as he did in previous years this season. Now, this is a guy who ran in the low four or fives at the combine coming out. And I – now – everybody loses speed once they get in the league, you know, that you can take those combine numbers and shove them because those are trained numbers, mm-hmm. not necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, real speed. Um, but, you know, he doesn't, he, he's playing more like a four, six, five guy mm-hmm. this year. That could have been a concern, but, you know, people say tackles aren't important. Bullshit. You know, <laughs> Guy led the, leads the league in tackles. That's right. Okay, and the Ravens now he might be a better fit in the Ravens scheme than he is here. Again, I you know I know what we wanted from the Will linebacker position in pretty much the same defense, and Roquan was a perfect fit for that position. But given what Ryan Poles is trying to do. And this has become his team. So he's allowed to make this team or structure this team the way he really wants to. And I'm sure, you know, he's not doing it all on his own. He's doing it, you know, with the help of Flus. And they're making these decisions. And if Flus said, I I want this guy, there's no way he would have traded him. Mm -hmm. So they made those decisions. So now let's move on. Could there be another trade? Uh, Derek asked a good question. How similar are Roquan Smith and Lance Briggs? Um, Lance was highly instinctive, but Roquan's highly instinctive. Don't forget now, this is the first year. It's an entirely different scheme than he's played his first four years in the league. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it, it takes some time to, to learn how to play within a new scheme because you're being asked to do different things. Um I think Lance is better in coverage. Lance was a, was a uh, running back, you know, in high school. And a lot of running backs, for some reason, he was a big running back and a very productive one. And, and a lot of running backs turn into good linebackers. But, you know, I think Lance was better uh, in coverage. Roquan's better rushing the passer. Uh, they're about the same as far as stepping up and filling. Uh, both got great instincts. Uh, Roquan's faster. Lance Briggs was a four seven eight. I had the card sitting. You know, we've told the story a thousand times. The card was his, his draft card was sitting, you know, in my office when we hired Lovey. And Lovey looked at that time and said, "I can't play with him at will." And then we had to, you know, talk Lovey into it. Um, but it's, you know, it's a good comparison. I. The guy's a hell of a football player. I, I don't like people who don't necessarily understand the defense 
and what the guy's being asked to do. Let me say this about the defense. Defense is a gap control defense. You have an assignment. And, and, and I'll go back to when, when, when Lovey was here and during individual, Bob Babich was, was the coach of the linebackers. And the drills they would do, they'd have three big garbage cans lined up as, or four big garbage cans lined up as your four defensive linemen. And then where the um, linebackers were going to, you know, the linebackers were where, the, where they were supposed to be positioned. And then each player of that front seven has a gap. And you can't break that. You have to do your assignment. Okay, because if you if you freelance, you leave a gap open, and that's a cutback lane, and it can lead to a big play. So there's times where people say, well, he didn't go to the ball. He was doing this. Well, guess what? That's what his freaking assignment was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and when the coaches do the tape, they know that. If the guy breaks an assignment, they get downgraded, even if they make the tackle. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, I'm glad you explained that because I see that a lot on social media. You know, this, it's this player's fault. And I wonder sometimes, well, wait a minute. Perhaps that was his gap. And he's, you know, doing as he was told, as you just pointed out. Okay. Well, it's, it's a, you know, it's a single gap defense. Mm-hmm. Okay. As, as you know, you get a lot of three, four schemes that are played in two gaps. And a lot of times, you know, your defensive linemen are head up on an offensive lineman. And they're responsible for the gap to the left and the gap to the right. You know, when they stand up, they try to stand up the offensive lineman, not give away any ground, and that allows them to step right or step left if if the play is going that way. Uh, This defense is entirely different. It relies more on uh, speed and athleticism, but you have to play disciplined within the scheme, and you cannot break your assignment. You have to have that gap control assignment. Yeah. All right. Um, it's unfortunate that we're doing this a few hours before the trade deadline because you know what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Something's going to happen right after we go off the air. So let me go player by player here. Uh, players who are rumored to be on the bubble, the trade bubble, so to speak. Let's start with running back David Montgomery, who is a free agent at the end of the season. Do you think he is traded sometime today? I, I think it's possible. And as I told you off air before we started, I had a text conversation. And I wrote this this morning in, in Windy City Gridiron, so it's out there. I had text conversation with two decision makers um, last night. I'm going to say 9 o'clock last night. My question to both of them was, to the best of your knowledge, is David Montgomery on the trading block? I got answers within five minutes. The one said, and he, the one that was funny goes, to the best of my knowledge, no. And the other one said, I haven't heard anything on Montgomery except what you read in the paper. And he goes, those are never true. And then he added, why would they trade him? You can't get anything. He's a running back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the unfortunate market now for running backs. They're so replaceable. But a guy like David Montgomery, 
he's a bigger loss if you trade him than a gain if you trade him. Because as you said, you're gonna if you get anything at all, you're gonna get a late round draft pick. But his value to this team transcends the numbers. I saw Brian Perez today talk about you know Khalil Herbert is should be the number one because his yards per average carry and so forth. But you cannot measure what David Montgomery means to this team just solely in stats. And by the way, Jonathan Wood, a, a good buddy of yours uh, on, on social media, uh, said that, uh, looked at some analytics and proclaimed that David Montgomery is the much more reliable pass catcher, not just pass blocker, but pass catcher. And so what Montgomery means to this team is huge. I can't see them moving him. I just can't see that. Well, uh, you know, could they? Yes. Are there some teams that want to get a running back? I mean, there's a rumor that uh, he's going to go to the Rams and, and they're going to get a, a draft pick and Cam Akers back. Why would this team want Cam Akers when he's a problem? That's the last guy they're going to want. Okay. So, so watch that trade will happen at one o'clock. Uh, so the, but where Monty is good. First of all, he's a better inside runner, power runner than Khalil is. Khalil is better in space and got better home run ability. Montgomery's better in the pass game and both parts of the pass game. He is a superb pass protector and he's a very good receiver and he's good after the catch. Uh, Hilbert, you know, you go back and, and look at what Khalil did in, in college as a receiver. Not a whole lot. And I'm not really it, – it, it's can he learn how? Yes. It's just through a lot of repetition, work, working on his, on his hands, but he's not the receiver that Monty is. He gives you a more explosive person as a pure runner. Mm-hmm. What I personally feel is they, they're both complementary of each other. They give you something different, and that puts pressure on the defense because of what each can do when they're in there. Mm-hmm. So yes. do I think he's going to get traded? No, and, and for the reasons I, I, I said. Willie, you know, we got, what, four hours, three and a half hours before the uh, trade deadline? We'll find out what happens in the next three and a half hours. Yeah. I can accept the uh, Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn trades. Uh, the idea of moving your best running back at protecting the quarterback with his pass blocking and such an incredible leader, one who Mike uh, uh, George McCaskey himself point, uh, uh, pointed out, singled out at the end of the season. Uh, you know, he could have singled out any player, Justin Fields, his franchise quarterback. Get a single out any player, but he singled out David Montgomery for his professionalism, and uh, and and Ryan Poles himself uh, singled him out when asked a question about the possibility of trading David Montgomery. Ryan Poles said he's one of my favorite players on this team. They didn't say yes or no, but uh, yeah, but he also he also said I love Roquan Smith. <laughs> this is a dirty business. <laughs> I, 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 believe me, I get it. I you know I'd love to be in the in the room for for those discussions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but how about this? And I, I I tweeted it out yesterday. And Eric DeCosta, who's the the Ravens general manager, he got this. You know, he was the the assistant GM to Ozzie Newsom, who was one of the all time great GMs. Yeah. They are great 
with picking up compensatory picks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they pay a two and a five and a throw-in player to get Roquan Smith. Okay, now fast forward. They can't franchise him because they don't have the quarterback signed. And the quarterback's coming out of contract, Lamar Jackson. So mm-hmm. who, who the hell do you think is going to get the franchise tag? Lamar so, <laughs> the quarterback, if the quarterback doesn't have a deal done, he's getting franchised. You know that. So could they re-sign him? Absolutely they could. But if they lose him and he gets a good deal somewhere, they're going to get a compensatory pick because Baltimore doesn't sign a lot of free agents. So they win on the compensatory thing. He's going to get a third or a fourth round compensatory pick if he loses, you know, if he, if he loses Roquan on, on, or in free agency. And so now you say, okay, now look at the trade. Okay. I get a half season when I'm going trying to get to the playoffs with the premier inside linebacker for a two and a five, and I get a third back mm-hmm. or I get a fourth back. Okay. That softens the deal a little bit for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, you may have mentioned this. I may have lost it, uh, but uh, the, the bears are paying for Roquan's salary, a good portion of it this year. So it doesn't cost. Uh, yeah. They pay the, they're paying in both Philadelphia and Baltimore's part. They're paying the minimum salary for the remainder there to me that that's not a big deal no, it, was it's on not. The books. It's, it was on the books to begin with exactly. and it's not going to have what he's trying to do is create assets for next year mm-hmm. and so the money's off the books next year anyway mm-hmm. so you know it, it, paying the salary that if paying the salary means getting an extra round you know, a, a two versus a three, pay the salary. Right. Uh, somebody in the chat room, who is it? Uh, Joe uh, just mentioned that there has been a trade with the Vikings and the Lions. The Vikings are sending. That's the a- second time those yeah. two have traded, isn't it? I believe so. They're, I mean, you know, since since summer. Yeah. The Vikings are sending a uh, 2023 second rounder and 2024 fourth rounder for TJ Hawkinson. Uh, and uh, there's also some conditional picks available there. Yeah, it's kind of strange that you see you're, we're seeing these interdivisional uh, trades. I want to get back to our list of players, but before I do that, um, one of the things that I think is happening here, Greg, is that uh, we – there, there seems to be a, a transformation. We are seeing now mid-season trades, unlike we have in years past. Historically, we don't see much action right before the trade deadline, but I think that's slowly changing. What do you think? Well, yes, and I gave this some thought before we came on the show. Look at, in most cases, the people who are getting traded. There's a common denominator there. Guys, Coming out of contract, we don't want you anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and so it, it's not like you're trading a guy who's got three years left on his deal. Yeah, I agree. All right, another player I want to get your thoughts on trading, and I got to share mine first, is there's a lot of talk about Eddie Jackson potentially being moved. I cannot phantom 
them even thinking that because Jaquan Brisker's development will be slowed by such a move, and even Kyler Gordon would uh, be his development would be disrupted, disruptive. As you pointed out to me last year, when Eddie Jackson was ha- had a long list of detractors, you pointed out. Eddie Jackson is the quarterback of this defensive backfield. You see, you don't see a lot of the things that he does for the positive for this team. And this year, he's even uh, made himself more worthy of being kept with the Chicago Bears. So, I, uh, what as, do you think? As good as he was the first two years in the league, he's better this year. Mm. By far, the best season he's ever had as a pro. And his the where where he stepped up from previous years is his tackling and hitting ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's still not going to win any uh, Hall of Fame votes for his tackling, but... Uh, no, uh, he's, he's not a knockout guy, right. but he he gets him down. He's throwing his body around a lot more than he, than he used to do. He's getting involved more. And you know what? He knows he has to. Yep. And I think it was Greg Braggs tweeted out yesterday, well, you should extend... Eddie Jackson, and if not, trade him. Is he out of his freaking mind? He's got two years left on his contract. I don't get, I don't get it. <laughs> and, and when he's done with that contract, he's going to be 31 years old and eight years in the league. Yeah, I think a brick may have fallen on Greg's head just before. No, he, I mean, you, never, you don't extend somebody, and that's not two years including this year. Mm-hmm. That's 23 and 24. Right, right, exactly. So, so you've got well, two and a half more years before you even think about it. Okay. So here's another one that I can't phantom, but who knows? It uh, could happen. Tevin Jenkins is somebody that uh, there's lots of speculation because apparently, you know, according to Dan Weeder in one of his columns, there was some animosity between Bears management and Tevin Jenkins, and they may not they may not be completely sold on him as a member of the Chicago Bears and clubhouse influence. And I'm paraphrasing there a bit, Mr. Weeder, so I apologize. What do you think about the Bears potentially moving Jenkins? Uh, my personal feeling? Yeah. Totally please. ludicrous. He's the best <laughs> lineman they have. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> yeah, and, and and you're already playing, you know, Borum's out, so you put in Riley Reef, uh, Whitehair's out, so you got another guy playing. Schofield's playing over at left guard. Uh, you know, you tried to replace Mustafer with Patrick. He he hurts his foot, gets a turf toe or something, so he's out at least three more weeks. And by the way, Mustafer played probably his best game in two years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As weak as weak as some of the other guys were, he played his best game in two years. Yeah, he did last week. Now, part of that may have been, well, I have been too good. I better step it up. Mm-hmm. Indeed, I can't think of any other names. You know, Riley Reef's name has come up, uh, but I, 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 I'm not buying them moving anyone on their offensive line unless, unless they're getting great, great value, great value back. Uh, but those are those are those are names. No, you, 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 Tevin Jenkins is on a rookie deal. You got a lot of time left, and he, you know, he he might be an immature kid. But he is the most talented player on that offensive line right now. And mm-hmm. and the other guy who might be a close second, and I, I wrote about him last week because I think he's going to be a great pro, 
even though he's struggling as a rookie, is uh, Braxton Jones. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, the, the traits he has, he has second-round traits, went to an FCS-level school, a low FCS-level school, mm-hmm. and he is already a very good run blocker. He's got a, it, it, It's going to take some time, but he's got to become a better pass blocker, and when that happens – Mm-hmm. He's going to be one of the better left tackles in the league. The athleticism is tremendous. Mm-hmm. He's got 35 and a half inch arms. You know, he, I think he's, I believe from watching him, he's got to get stronger in the lower body. Now, mm-hmm. how much stronger he can get, that remains to be seen because it's not like he's got a big ass like, like Tevin Jenkins has or some mm-hmm. of those other guys. But the guy he reminded me of, Body wise, mm-hmm. and I, when I wrote this article, and, and you look at it, they're almost their numbers were almost identical from height, weight, arm length, and, and athletic numbers as Ronnie Stanley. Oh, okay. And okay. not saying he's going to become Ronnie Stanley. I'm just saying that, that physically, that's the comp. Okay. Um. As a uh, that f- a former head of scouting for the Chicago Bears, you must be thrilled when you look at this. The Bears' 2023 draft picks, their first rounder, their second rounder, the Ravens' second rounder, their third rounder, their fourth rounder, the Eagles' fourth rounder, their two fifth rounders, one of them from the Ravens, and their own seventh rounder. I actually did it. Well, the one fifth could end up being the Patriots instead of the Ravens. The way the deal was structured is, is the Ravens got two fives, their own in New England's. They okay. get the they get the better of the two at the end of the year. Nice. I didn't know that. I like yeah. that. I like that. So, but that is a nice haul. The the one thing though, the the one question that I had for you, Greg, uh, this kind of bugs me a lot. Is and I think we've talked about this before. You may have mentioned it earlier in the show. You've got players on the team like Roquan, like Eddie Jackson, or you had Roquan. Why trade them away for draft assets? Because essentially that's what you want to get. You want to find a Roquan Smith. You want to find an Eddie Jackson. You you, you mentioned the Dan, Dan Pompey. 26 years old and already at the peak of his game. Why? You know, that's, that's the part I don't get. But, hey, you know what? They wanted to do it. He's not their guy, and and they want all their guys in there. So, but you got we talked about it. It, 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 The replacement could already be in house, and they where's he where's he getting the seventh round comp pick? That's not a lock yet. Yeah, it's not a lock yet. You never know what could happen with those comp picks, man. It's complicated. The 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 formula for comp picks doesn't end until. March because play well really it's at the end of the season they get announced then but there's you know there's playtime involved honors involved injuries are involved and we're only halfway through the season mm-hmm. so it's not people think it's strictly contract it's not it's what they do that first se- and only the first season with the new club if they get hurt in training camp no matter what kind of contract they got. Your SOL as far as a uh, comp pick goes. Yep. So um, Free Palestine asked the question, do you think Flues had a say about the trade? 
maybe Flus didn't mesh well with Roquan Smith or their staff didn't. Um, Possibility. Yeah. But it sounds to me like uh, Eberflus is just being a good uh, soldier. In last week's uh, press conference, he says, we will always do what's best for the team. And he was asked about the, the uh, Robert Quinn trade. So he's not going to publicly and maybe even privately uh, uh, question what his boss, uh, Ryan Poles, is doing. Well, okay. when, when you look at contracts, Flus's contract versus Ryan Poles' contract. Mm-hmm. Poles is his superior, and he has control of the roster. Flus has control of who plays on Sunday. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but don't think for a minute they're not going to be hand-in-hand hand on many of these decisions. Mm-hmm. That, that you, know, you don't want to say, hey, I'm getting rid of this guy. I'm the boss. Mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't work that way. You've got, yeah. You're, you're going to create a very unhappy working environment. And, you know, these two polls picked flutes. He could have picked another guy, Mm -hmm. you know, to be Brian Dable or whatever, to be the head coach. He Mm -hmm. picked flutes. Okay. And and in all honesty, I like the pick. And I like it more every day. Just the way... Flus handles things, and mm-hmm. and the way, just look at the night and day between the pressers between the last couple of years and and this year. He he tells you what it is, and he he's pretty honest. He's not going to tell you about injuries, but he's pretty honest about everything. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. Um, all right, let, we need to talk uh, about the game on Sunday as much as we don't want to talk about it. <laughs> But my first question has to do with the uh, third-round draft pick, Valus Jones. And we all saw it, uh, a beautifully pa- uh, beautifully deep pass by Justin Fields and Valus Jones. It goes right off his fingertips. What say you about Valus Jones and his development, slow development in the passing game? Is this just uh, rookie stuff? I, I think a lot of it is, and you know what part of it is? Confidence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked about it with, with Justin, too, just a few weeks ago. He needs to get off to a quick start to develop some confidence within a game. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, what's happened the last two weeks? He's gotten off to a good start in those games, and he's played pretty darn good. Yeah. This guy needs some good things to happen. Yep. Okay, and – you know, on that particular play, I think he left his feet just a little bit too early. Mm-hmm. That and his, and his, you know, play it one more time. I think his feet got tangled a little bit. No, not really. His uh, left, his left foot drags. Watch it as it comes here. Watch his left foot right there. It drags for some reason. Yeah. So maybe maybe he, it did. He, his- he's like he he left his feet too early for whatever reason, and if he keeps balance then he makes that catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a pro. He's supposed to make that catch. It was a very well-thrown ball. Um, are you going to hold it against him? Yes. Are you going to withhold reps from him in the next game or so? Maybe. But don't forget, you know, reps during a game come from how a guy practices. So, He's getting in games because he's practicing pretty good. Right. And so 
you know, that's where they start to develop. But he's had some, you know, he double caught that other pass late in the game to uh, to the left side on on some of the um, the runs. Shit, he's been outstanding. You know, mm-hmm. when he's got the ball in his hand, he's electric. Uh, I, I I think, you know, I'm not standing up for him, but you got to let rookies be rookies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I stole that one from Marv Levy. And <laughs> a good person to steal from. <laughs> and you know he he's the talents there. Now here's here's the thing. Okay, brings up a question: Are the Bears going to trade for anybody? Yes, good question. Great okay. question. Could they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody said, "Oh, we got to get another receiver." Do I think it's going to happen? No. So that right away, we know that there's going to get a, a new receiver within the next hour. Or so, <laughs> <laughs> the, and here's here's why I I think that first of all, they haven't had a healthy wide receiver room since like the second day of training camp. There's always been somebody out, and this week, I you know Pringle started practicing last week. This week they may bring him up. Uh, off the uh, injured reserve list, and you're going to have going into this game the healthiest group of wide receivers that they've had really since training camp started. Mm-hmm. So now if you bring in somebody else, especially somebody played in a different system, now if you got somebody that played within a very similar scheme, same terminology, it's easier to – get them acclimated and get them on the field. Mm-hmm. But like there's that name, the, the kid from New England, uh, born, I think his name is, yeah, entirely different scheme. It's going to be three weeks before he's ready to step on the field. You might get a, get a play for him here or play for him there. I mean, perfect example is um, Harry, who came from New England. He's only getting spot duty now because he's still not – totally up to date with exactly what they're doing on the offense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you can see, you see the flashes of his talent, but now he's healthy. Bayless is healthy. Pringles healthy, you know, so you've got some guys that you say, okay, let's see what they can do. And then you make a decision at the end of the season. A lot of these guys are like EQ, EQ, I thought might be out for a while when he first hurt his knee the other day and he came back. That's a tough kid now. And, and when he got back and came in later in the game, do I think they extend him after give him a new deal after this year? Yep, I do. Um, don't know about Pringle because he's been hurt twice now. And, you know, you, you can't make the club in the tub. And, <laughs> After that, I you know, I don't know, but th- there's all these people that think, well, they're going to use that first-round pick on a receiver. I bet right now they don't. Why is first, that? While the, wide, while the wide receiver class is extremely deep, yeah. you know, I've done a bunch of them. You're going to get first-round guys in the second round. You're going to get second-round guys value-wise, I'm talking. You know, because you look at the average number of receivers that go in each round. That's what you always do. You, know, you go through the – draft okay say you go back 10 years this is how many go in the first round this is how many go in the second round this is how many go in the third round so that and then you look at your board your stack and and the grade you have on those guys 
regardless of what the grades are, you take the averages, the analytics of, of, of previous drafts, and you say, I'm going to get a hell of a player in the second round, especially where I'm picking. You know, and then you look at what are the, the – you've got to build from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And also, before you even think about that, you've got to let the season play out. Let some of these guys – you're going to know a lot more about some of these players – nine weeks from now than you are, than you know, right now, mm-hmm. you follow what I'm saying. So it, it's, um, where exactly do we have huge needs? And yeah, they, they're going to have a, a need at wide receiver, but could they fill that need in free agency? Oh, they're going to have $125 million. Mm-hmm. They're okay. You know, they're not going to be spending 15 or 20 on Roquan because he's gone. Right. You know, so where are they going to spend that money? And I don't think for a minute they're going to spend 125 million. He's going to, if you just look at how he's handled money since he got here, you know, he handles it like it's his. And and he's not, he's not going to overspend. He's going to pay fair deals. And now, if, when you sign guys the first couple of days, sometimes you pay a little bit of a premium. But I don't think he's going to be the type that's going to pay a huge premium mm-hmm. like Jacksonville did with the wide receiver and just broke the wide receiver market wide open. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going you're gonna to do fair prices, but you've got to get more on the defensive line. Have to. And, and those are, you know, how, how is the draft going to hit? They're probably going to have a top 10 pick, especially now. I mean, you know, the, the defense, you, you just took away two of the best players on the defense. And it, granted, Quinn didn't have the production yet this year, but he still had a presence. He was getting pressures. And now you took away the leading tackler in the league. Okay, how's that defense going to play for the rest of the year? Is every game going to be like Dallas and they're going to give up 40 and score 30? Yeah, I, and so we have to f- continue to focus here on the Spurs defense. Uh, on tonight's show with Dan Aguirre, he and I are going to debate a little bit about Allen Williams because uh, Dan, as a fan, has already thrown in the towel and Allen Williams says, get rid of him, he's no good, and so forth. And I'm like, come on. He needs players in order to have success. And if anything, you need to look at the position coaches and how are they working with the players? Because that's how this coaching staff works. It's the coordinator comes up with the overall scheme, and then it's the, the, the position coaches that develop the relationships with the players and try to coach them up and discipline them to stay in their gaps and do all of that. That, you know, that to me is debatable, you know, whether a position coach has done well or not. But to, to blame Allen Williams for the 49 points that were put up to me is wrong. What say you, Greg? I, I, I agree with you. I, I, you. I got two theories on, on part of this. Number one, it was their fourth road game in five weeks. Mm-hmm. I don't care what team you are. That wears on you. That is hard. Okay. Number two, you traded away Quinn, and you can't tell me Roquan didn't think he was going to be the next guy out the door. Mm-hmm. That's the way he played. And 
I think that had an effect on the defense too. And then, hey, Dallas was on their game. You know, as Parcells used to say, those guys are on scholarship too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're you're not not playing an FCS team here. You know, you're playing an SEC team. And, and, and they played good at home. And, and Dak Prescott, second week back after the injury, he was more on his game. So there's not an excuse. It's just fact. Now, the defense did play poorly. They played a little better in the second half, but not much. But go back to the weeks before that. Defense mm-hmm. has played pretty good. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so now you're going to crucify the guy for one game? Yeah, I I don't understand that. And because you look you look at the defensive record, what they you know points allowed, all that other stuff, they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. Renewable says my man Tanner Guires deep down probably still believes in Santa Claus. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Stop that. <laughs> all right. So, uh, what? Uh, what was the biggest reason besides what you've just mentioned re- regarding, you know, th- th- this team scores four touchdowns, this team being the Cowboys in their first four possessions. Is this also sort of the snowball uh, effect where things got a lot of hand, it gets worse and it gets worse. And before you know it, you're down 28 to seven. Yeah. And then they started to come back. I, you know, I, I, I don't have an answer. I, I, I they didn't show up. Yeah. Defense didn't show up. And, and yeah, is it a cause for concern? Absolutely. Does it get somebody fired? No. Mm-hmm. Now, if it continues, but, and then I, I'll backtrack a little bit on that. If it continues, is it even fair to bring in some of the stuff? It's still, you still got two guys that were a key part of that defense when the season began who aren't going to be with them the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. And two guys that are very important off the field with those players, as well as on the field. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Tareen tells us that uh, Zach Pearson and actually Patrick Finley too, are saying that Ryan Poles will hold a press conference after the trade deadline. And it's been announced as at 4 PM central by Patrick Finley. So 4 PM central, uh, Ryan Poles will talk to the media. We'll be tuning into that. And then tonight, Dan and Aldo, Bear Their Souls, will, will cover what Poles has to say. All right. You know, one of the things that Alan Williams talked about in his last press conference on Thursday, this past Thursday, was the whole thing about gap integrity, the whole thing about uh, uh, fundamentals, the whole thing about, you know, basically saying, you know, Everyone has to do a better job, but it always all, all all starts with the fundamentals of football, tackling and doing your job, to use the Bill Belichick uh, phrase. So when when I'm asked, you know, what happened with the 49 points, what's, what's going on with this defense, I think that's one of the key reasons. And as you mentioned earlier in the show, the Robert Quinn trade, you know, deflated this team and p- potentially Roquan Smith getting wind that he was going to be moved. I mean, he, Roquan, as you said, Greg, had one of his worst games uh, as a Chicago Bear. Uh, After that, having one of his best the week he, before. Exactly, exactly. 
So, you know, let's close the chapter on this defense. Hopefully there isn't this hangover effect with the defense against the Miami Dolphins, although – Well, I'll tell you, you know, look at, at um, Jalen. Last night he's on – I didn't hear it. I read about it. Yeah, I saw he, he's, he's on the score. And, you know, he was at a loss for words. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it it's – Two guys have been taken out of that locker room that were important parts of the defense. And I said this last week, you know, what do you got to do to stay here? But, I'm, you know, you got to look at the big picture. And that's what I, I, I think, and I hope I'm right, he's trading this year for the potential of next year. Mm-hmm. He want you know he this I, I'm calling this year a tryout year. This is a tryout year to find out who's going to be here and who isn't going to be here. Mm-hmm. They've made decisions on two players already. They're not going to be here and they're already gone. And that's what's going on the rest of the year. And then when you've got more than double the cap space of any other team in the league next year, and you got a bunch of high draft picks that, by the way. With a little bit of finagle, you can turn those five first three-round picks into seven. Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit of trade down here and a trade down there, depending on what you're looking at. You know, we'll get into that next spring uh, when you find out exactly where they're picking and where these other picks are. Um, you know, they they got a chance to do something, rebuild fairly quickly. But yeah. the key is they got to sign the right guys and they got to draft the right guys. Yep. Kenny uh, has a great chat comment here. Roquan, remember, he asked to be traded. I mean, you know, <laughs> he asked for it. Yes. Uh, there's not a guy who's had a pr- problematic um, contract dispute that hasn't asked to be traded. Exactly. Again. I've been through these things so many times through the years. It goes into this year, out this year, and you forget about it five seconds after it was said. Indeed. All right. Well, back to the game against the Cowboys. I think, you know, we're all, of course, uh, disappointed with the defense and the lopsided score. But what was fascinating uh, and we cannot forget is the 29 points that the Chicago Bears offense did score. That was the most by a, a team against the Cowboys all season, one of the best defenses in the National Football League. And to do it in Dallas and to do it at a in, in a situation where the, the opposing team has gotten off to such a huge lead on you, I thought was all very, very impressive. What stood out to you about the offense's play against the Cowboys? Well, I, I, the play calling has changed. And on top of that, you're getting some healthy people. The, the passing game has gotten better. Part of that is the health of receivers. Part of that is Justin is becoming more comfortable within the system as are the receivers. So, you're, you know, you, you've got a connection. So I think it's a combination of all. There was a couple things that bothered me in the game. And I can't tell you, you know, a coach would have to tell you what the fault was because it was the exact same problem twice. And the first time it happened was 
on that original two-point conversion, and the left defensive end came in untouched and just about decapitated Justin. And then there was another play later, the exact same thing happened. The left defensive end came in untouched. Both times, Riley Reef was blocking down inside instead of pick. Okay, now, number one, was Reef supposed to be blocking inside or was he supposed to, you know, who was supposed to pick up that, that free edge rusher? Okay, so to me, there was a breakdown there. Was it Reef? Was it a back? I don't know, but they came in untouched twice. They did indeed come in uh, untouched twice. Um, I got some questions here I want to make sure we get to before uh, the end of the show. Jamal Lewis asked, uh, would Greg trade both second-round picks for a first-rounder? I know that's a huge hypothetical, but if you see somebody in the top five, and we're not already drafting in the top five, which I think we're headed to, um, would you would you move draft assets, especially two valuable second rounders, to move it up uh, to get that coveted three tech player who who's going to go in the top five or that coveted offensive lineman? What are your thoughts? It, it's a hypothetical, obviously, and. It depends how your board's set up. Mm-hmm. First of all, where are the twos? Where do you want to get with it? And to give up two twos, you know, you got to look, figure in the chart and say, okay, these, these are the value of the two twos. What do those two twos give me value-wise to get into the first? Yep. Okay, and, and how high? And then on top of that, How's your board set? So who's the player you're after? Mm-hmm. And you know when you have that figured out? Around the 15th or 20th of April. <laughs> you know, and, and and so, you know, we're sitting here, it's November 1st. It's a long way away. Um, you know, you, you got to go through the whole, it's a big process. You got to go through it step by step. You Right now, you don't even know who the hell's in the draft. The other class, you know, speculation, speculation means nothing until they actually declare. They can publicly declare whenever they want. It doesn't become official. The date is on or about the 15th of January. And then they have a three-day, like, cooling off period, so to speak, where if they haven't hired an agent, even though they had, had asked to be in the draft, they can withdraw from the draft. And so the league then doesn't put out the list of names until three days after the close date. Um, Nomad has a great question here about uh, a team that I know you have a big interest in is the Indianapolis Colts. He's curious what you th- who what do you think will be the next shoe to drop in Indianapolis, and is that fantastic made in heaven three tech defensive tackle? Uh, Buckner, could he be had? No, no, no chance. <laughs> you know, when they're hard to find, and and Ballard couldn't get one in the draft, so he had to give up a one to get one. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, I, I remember, you know, I sent him a text right after, probably within minutes of the, of that trade being announced. He said, Greg, I was sweating that one out for the last ten days. 
<laughs> you know, and, and that's how important that position is to this scheme. Now, if you're going to get one, you know, there's not, there's a lot of good defensive tackles. Are there a lot of good three techniques who can play the, the position the way you wanted, want the position to be played? I don't think Jones is the, I think he's good. I don't think he's great. You know, you know, ideally you want Tommy Harris. You want Buckner. You know, th those are the guys you want. Okay. How often do they come around? They don't. Sometimes you got to create them. Right now they're trying to create them. Ogan Joby probably would have been close to ideal. Mm -hmm. He flunked the medical. I, I, I get that part. You know, so um, could they have been patient with it? You know, that was more a doctor decision than a front office decision. The doctor said no, and polls will get the heat on it. But right. that, that's the medical staff said no. And you can't overrule those guys. Yeah. Um, I uh, have another question here that I've been saving for you. Sounded like you were a loss for words there for a second. I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to see if Schefter had uh, put up anything on Twitter regarding the Bears, and so I did a quick check. There's no new news on that. Given that Poles has already stated he's going to meet with the media at 4 o'clock, that probably means he's done trading. I would be surprised if there was no. No, not necessarily. Okay. Because, I mean, the, the, the deadline's three. So, you know, I, you know somebody, uh, somebody could call it 2.30 mm -hmm. with an outrageous offer for, say, a Monty. And you know, at two forty-five, they could make the deal, as long as the deal is done by three o'clock. So, you know, he's he he, he didn't make the uh, if 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 everything was done, why wouldn't he have the pressure at two? Yeah, well, but the the phone can ring at two. That's right. So he, he's doing it at four. Um, I get it. You know, so I mean, it just he's being he's covering all the bases. Yeah. And uh, then we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. I'm really glad that he's making himself available to the media. He's you know we all you know we we talked about this last week, but the fact of the matter is that with the team undergoing such dramatic change and so and many fans not understanding what this general manager is doing and his overall plan and him getting heat, the best way to uh, the word I want to use, and I hope I'm using it properly, is assuage the fans' concerns over uh, all of these moves. And the best way to do that is to communicate with the fans via the media. Well, uh, I think he's trying to, you know, put make this team into his own image and likeness, so to speak. Okay, he's going to do it his way. So you better he's, get got, he's got the job. This is the way he wants to build a team. And you know, it's going to fall on him. He's the guy who's going to end up being held accountable if it doesn't work. So um, it's, you know, I, I, I like some of the things. I, what Ryan Pace did was try to get quick fixes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And quick fixes do nothing but get you in trouble. Okay, overpaying for veteran free agents. The, you know, the fans will scream, well, why didn't you pay for this guy? Because if you're overpaying, two or three years from now, it's going to come back and haunt you. Number one, he might not produce. Number two, you might have camp problems. Number three, you could have both. Yep. And, and so you've got to be very, very careful with how you handle the situation. Like I said, I, I, repeating myself, he's going to have $125 million. I don't expect him to spend anywhere close to that $125 million just because he has it. You know, you're going to, he can spread that out over a couple of years if he wants to. Mm -hmm. Well, and the thing is, too, if, if Justin Fields becomes the quarterback, we're all dreaming that he can be. You're right. He's going he's gonna to get some money. He, he will be the highest paid quarterback in the National Football League because that's how it works. Patrick Mahomes was, and then a year later, somebody else, uh, I forget who, who has. Josh Allen was right in there. Yeah. So yeah, and those guys, those guys are making peanuts now compared to what some of the deals are getting now. Mm -hmm. No, it's going to be interesting that, you know, as far as fields, because you look at, say, a comp player, and a comp player might be Lamar Jackson, is what does Lamar Jackson finally end up with? That is going to be the next big story. And I'd be surprised if the Ravens allowed him to uh, uh, check the market, so to speak. Uh, so we'll see. That's something. Well, they, they, they've always, you know, they got the tag. They can tag them. Right. And players don't want the tag because but there's not a whole lot they can do about it. It's like, okay, if I don't play, you don't get paid. It's real simple. Yeah. Um, interesting question here from, oh, by the way, Toreen has just uh, broken some news for us. ESPN 1000 will be the home of the Chicago Bears the radio home for the Chicago Bears in 2023. And so I've got a message for our friends over at ESPN 1000. This guy here on the screen, Greg Gabriel, if you don't hire him to do analysis throughout the week and on game days, you're missing out on an incredible talent. Take advantage of this talent, Greg Gabriel, for ESPN 2023. <laughs> you know, it, it's – I think we've known for months that this was the last year of the contract with WBBM. And, you know, that, that group, what are they called now? Uh, audio or whatever they're called. Odyssey. 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 Yeah. And, and, you know, they've gone all in on the Cubs and, and a couple other things. So having the money to, get the bears is uh, you know that was was questionable but the key here is even it's already been announced joniak and thayer are part of the deal so and i think joniak is a great play-by-play -play guy yes yes and his first i think his first year doing the play-by-play -play was my first year here and you know he he's tremendous and even though he works for WBBM, he will be part. Now, whether he ends up going over to uh, ESPN 1000, that remains to be seen. But he will be the voice of the Chicago Bears, and Tom Thayer will be the analyst. But that's going to really take away from, from the score, I think, because uh, the, the score is part of that, that Odyssey group of stations 
And I, you know, I think that in, in the long run, that's really going to hurt the score. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Good analysis. Um, the factor asks another hypothetical, uh, but I, I want to add to what he's asking here. If you had to guess, does Poles keep Justin Fields going forward even after 2023? What I'd like to add to that is, um, do you project that Justin Fields is going to continue to progress in the manner we've seen, particularly these last two or three weeks. I mean, he has looked from a question mark as a quarterback in my mind, knowing of course that all, all of the, 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 the issues involved with his play, you know, second offensive coordinator, all, all that stuff. But he, he, right now he's projecting to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in my mind. Do you have that same kind of projection? And what are your plans for Justin Ford's fields moving forward? Oh, wow, that's that's loaded. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think part of, part of the answer is wait and see. But I'm going to say this: last year we saw flashes. Okay, there wasn't consistency, but we saw flashes. There were some throws that very few quarterbacks can make remember there's a throw to the left corner of the end zone into a window about this big mm -hmm. to uh, Mooney and, and and a few others that were just terrific throws this year at the beginning of the year there was flashes but it was more negative than positive mm -hmm. 80 percent of that can be attributed to playing in an entirely different scheme. And I'm going to go back to this. Russell Wilson has sucked in Denver. And a year ago, this guy was one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. You can't tell. And, and I told you when I talked to a friend of mine who's been involved in this system, he said it's a damn hard system to learn. And most of it is because of the adjustments that have to be made during the course of a play, and that adjustment is on two people or, or two groups, the quarterback and the receivers. They both got to be on the same page and they got to make adjustments at full speed. So it takes time. Russell Wilson isn't going to, you know, everybody's saying that was a bad trade for George Payton, but once he gets settled in within that system and there's an if on that one because does that coach last because that doesn't look like that was the right guy to be the head coach right. um but you know the uh i think justin is starting to feel comfortable and on top of that the coaching staff is starting to feel comfortable with what he can do and they're making changes within the scheme to fit the strong points of justin fields so right now, the arrow's going up. Mm -hmm. um, does it continue to go up? We got to keep watching and see. I saw one thing on Twitter. I think it was Andrew Dennehy who said at, after the Roquan trade, well, this is it. It's the, they've given up on, on uh, uh, the fields, and they're going to go all in on a quarterback in the next draft. Okay, who are you going to take in the next draft that's going to be Justin Fields? You're going to take uh, Stroud from Ohio State who played in the same system? <laughs> exactly. 
Okay. You're going to take a six-foot quarterback from Alabama? Mm-hmm. Okay. You had a problem with taking 25-year-old Bayless Jones? You're going to take a 24-year-old quarterback from Tennessee who's having a hell of a year? Mm-hmm. Boy, that Tennessee is loaded with receivers. God damn. Man. man. <laughs> and their, their best is just getting back on the field. He got hurt after, I think, of the second game. And he played, I think he caught three or four passes. Uh, his name's Cedric Tillman. But they had another guy who's kind of jumped to the forefront when Till, Tillman was out. They, they're loaded at receiver. Jamal is asking about Deron Payne, uh, who is scheduled to be a free agent at the end of the season. What do you know about – frankly, I don't know much about Payne. But what do you know about him? And uh, he's, a, he's a hell of a player. Whether he is a three, I think, remains to be seen. Athletically, when you look at him coming out, you'd say, yes, he ran a 4.95. But let me throw this at you. When we took Tommy Harris – Tommy Harris measured 6'2 and 7 eighths, 295 pounds at, at the uh, combine. Do you know what he ran? No. 4'6'8. Whoa. Okay. That's then pretty- we took, we took, we, because, you know, don't forget, we went from the elephant line down to a, you know, whole different scheme. Then we took Tank in, in Tank Johnson in the second round. It was also, 6'2 and change, just under 6'3, weighed 305 pounds. You know what he ran? Mm-hmm. 4'7'3. Whoa. Okay, so, and their change of direction drills were excellent. That's part of what you want at the three. Probably the best guy in last year's draft, and a guy that, you know, I was thinking might be a good fit went to Tampa Bay with the first pick of the second round. That was a kid from the University of Houston, and I can't remember his name. And he's been playing within the rotation. But the best guy to play the three, very, very athletic guy, and he'd be more like Buckner in that he was a real tall guy and and long guy. Um, Now, Buckner, who was an excellent three, he was only a 505, but his change of direction drills and his his, uh, flexibility and his explosiveness were – were very good. So, but you want at that position, the guy's got to be a disruptor. Mm-hmm. He's got to be able to get off. He's got to be able to use his hands. He's got to be able to get off the ball very quick, get penetration, be disruptive in the run game, and provide an inside pass rush. He's got to be a good inside pass rusher. So, and, and, and those are some of the keys. And is there one, you know, I've done some, some of the linemen, you know, I, I think there's some, but it, it's like once you put your board together, where do they fit on your board? Because you can't, you know, we've talked about this before. Let's say you got a 68 on one guy and a 69 on another of 67, but you got guys at other positions that have higher grades. You can't drop down to take the three because you want, you can trade down, say, okay this is what I got to get. So I'll trade down because I can still get them. And I'm going to pick up another second round pick to do it. Terrain uh, has got another update here. He says, Twitter is buzzing over the fact that uh, Brandon cooks was not at the Texans practice today. I frankly would be shocked if the bears are going to make a trade for a wide receiver uh, and lose 
or or send draft assets for a wide receiver who's already got a big contract. Uh, I'm guessing you feel the same way. No, I, I do. I like I said, I think Poles is uh, right now collecting assets, not giving them away. And 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 you got to look at the history of Brandon Cooks. Interesting name because he hasn't stayed in any one place for more than about two years. Look at his look at the length of his uh, his career and how many different teams he's been with. I think he's been with four or five teams already. Let me see. You're going to look it up. Yep, I am. He indeed. started it. He started at New England, hmm. and um, I know he's with New Orleans. He's with Houston. Yeah, New Orleans, uh, New England, uh, L, uh, Los Angeles Rams, and uh, and now with Houston. So that's four teams. And how many years? I uh, joined the league in 2014, so eight seasons. Eight seasons, four. He's two years, uh, two years a club, and then they throw him out the door. <laughs> Wonder why? What, what, yeah, what what's that tell you? Yeah, <laughs> you know. So you're 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 trying to build a culture. Yeah. Okay, that's why I said you know there was that rumor that that Monty was going to the Rams for Acres mm-hmm. and and a draft pick. Why would you want? Akers is a good back, but he's got a problem. I don't know what the problem is. I could find out what the problem is. I just got to make one phone call, but I wouldn't even make the call unless he was here. But the, you know, it's, why do you want to bring in somebody else's problem? Yeah. You know, if if it's a, you know, a, a character issue problem, yeah. And I think, you know, when, when you trade uh, two popular players in the clubhouse, you, you don't want to bring in a guy who might have a reputation as a malcontent uh, because then all of a sudden players who are already questioning what the front office is doing, then are going to further those questions. And so it's not a good situation. Well, but yeah, because, you know, all that goes into, wait a minute, they're, they're preaching buying in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then guys are, how am I supposed to buy in? Exactly. And then if you you bring in a malcontent, then that throws everything off. So exactly. you got to be, you know, to, to make a trade to make a trade. You know, no, you better bring in a character guy. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, there's been a lot of chatter in the chat room about the front seven for the Chicago Bears. And so I think the best question that kind of sums up what's going on there, the discontent by Bears fans is Jimmy asking how quickly can a front seven be fixed? I would imagine that can happen in a season, but you got to get lucky, right? Well, yeah, and part of his experience. Okay, now you've replaced Quinn with a fifth round rookie Robinson who has got, who's only played defense. This is his third year on defense mm-hmm. and his life. I mean, this guy was a quarterback, then a wide receiver. And now he's a defensive end. He's got to learn how to play. The physical traits are excellent. And he, you know, he flashes making some plays, but he also gets himself out of place at times and, and that's all part of the learning experience. There's only one way. It's the same with Braxton Jones. There's one way this guy is going to get better. Play. And he's going to learn by the mistakes he made because you can't teach physical traits. And when you've got them, 
You got to play the guy. And, and especially when you're looking at, at situations like Braxton Jones and, and Robinson, who Braxton comes from an, a lower level of comp and, and Robinson position switch. But, you know, he's got wide receiver athleticism and he's playing defensive end. There's a lot of upside there. It's that that change isn't going to be done overnight. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Uh, Toa asks about Peter Skoronsky, the offensive tackle at Northwestern, who I am in love with. I think he's a guard. Really? Yeah, I, I, I don't think he's I don't think he's gonna be six four. We'll find out. We'll we'll find out. And uh, you know, I think he's gonna be like six three and a half. And he's he's great, there's no question. But now the same thing was said about the guy two years ago from, from Northwestern who went in the first round. That he ended sense. up measuring six four even. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, and he and he had long enough arms. But if he's six three and a half, six three and three quarters, and has barely thirty three inch arms, he's going to be playing inside, mm-hmm. and he'll be damn good. But you know, he's it's it just that that's the key. What what's the real measurable with him? The guy's a great player, no question. But you know, I'm not taking them and and the other part of that question is okay let's say he does fit the measurables and he's available okay would you take him at left tackle what happens to Braxton Jones who you're high on move more to the other side yeah right you know that not a big deal right I'm with you on that um Keisha Boutte is very 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 talented um is he, you know, what's going on upstairs with him? That's what I'm concerned about, too. He disappears or he acts strange. I don't know. No, it's the more act strange than disappears. Yeah. But, you know, and, and I, you know, he's got a little diva to him. I'll tell you what, there are some great receivers in this draft. It's what do you want? You want a smaller guy who can run like hell? Do you want a tall guy who's long, who can, who's got a, you know, receiving radius like a spider. They're all different kinds because all of them are in the draft. Right. And uh, I, I would add one very important characteristic is the ability and desire to run block because that's been a big part of the success for the Chicago Bears running team. And it's hard for me to imagine that they're going to transform from a running team to a passing team in just one season. I think you're going to see this team committed to the run in 2023 until they get all the necessary weapons that are needed for a high-flying passing attack. Um, One more question here, and then we'll get out of here, Greg. Uh, Bear Truth 9, who's the better prospect, and who does Greg pick out uh, uh, for the Will linebacker? Anderson out of Alabama? Anderson's an edge. He's not a linebacker. Okay. Okay. Uh, now he might be listed as a linebacker for for Alabama the way their scheme is because they they have a base three four and mm-hmm. he's a so he's an outside linebacker in the base three four. He's an edge. He's a pass rusher, and he's one of the best pass rushers in this next draft. Carter will be your, would be your three, mm-hmm. and he'd be a big three. Yeah. Um, 
both of those guys would be great acquisitions for the Bears, but those are two first rounders. I'd love, you know, if anything, man, if the Bears can somehow get a second first round pick, I would love to see that happen. Yeah, but here's what's going to happen. You get, get, because let's say they're eighth or ninth, Mm -hmm. okay? Or or picking, you know, in in that area, maybe 10th. Chances are, all no no two boards are alike. Mm-hmm. They're going to get a guy rated in their top 25, 26 at 38 or 39. Mm-hmm. It happens all the time. People say, how is that possible? It's because every board is different. Yeah, yeah, indeed. All right, Greg, great show. We've done, what, 60, 70, 80, almost 100 minutes of uh, football talk here, and we'll do it again next week. What what are your thoughts on this Bears-Dolphins game? How ugly is that going to get for the Bears' defense? Well, I wish it was by 35 instead of going to be – might be 60. Um, I'm going to be at that game, so I'll take the 60. (laughs) Well, I know. Well, put it this way: I know the next three days are going to be real warm. I I didn't look uh, in in as far as Sunday, but I know it's not going to be cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, their pass offense has got to scare you. They better be ready. They, they they don't run the ball that well, but they better rush the shit out of uh, Tua because that uh, they got some guys who can fly, and and uh, they got. They're, they're one and two yardage wise are just about as good as anybody in the league. And, and Tyree kill, who is a bitch to, to, to cover, he's number one in yardage already. Mm-hmm. A lot of accolades coming your way, uh, Greg. So I'm going to close the show by saying this, Greg Gabriel, ESPN, 2023, 2023. <laughs> I'm gonna start. Uh, that's probably not gonna happen. But I'm gonna start a, like a, all these political commercials you see. I'll, I'll be posting those on Twitter. Speaking of that, I'm even getting texts on that now. Are you? Uh, yo, yes, yes. It's like, like please, every please. day, I'm getting four or five political texts. Oh my gosh! Please, leave it's me. like where do they? Well, they just I know they just got random numbers that they they go through and send out the stuff to the area code. My God, that's horrible. Well, and some, and, and if you don't have donated to a political party or you've done something where you have given up your email, it's going to be sold to all these political organizations and they're going to torment you for the rest of your life. Greg. So, Change your email. Indeed. 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 You watch the, uh, the Bills Packers game. I did. And uh, I was so happy, uh, but disappointed that the score wasn't by a larger margin. Well, they, I, I, I think Josh played his second half was might have been his worst second half all year. Uh, you know, he he seldom turns the ball over. He had two bad interceptions. Uh, very easily could have won that game by 28 that made it a little closer than it was. Important thing is they won the Packers loss. And uh, officially, I think Rodgers only got sacked two or three times, but he got the shit kicked out of him again. He really did. And that's a bad Packer team. And, and what what is surprising to me about the Packers is they've got so much talent on defense, and you're not seeing it in their results. So there, there's going to be some coaching. No, they played good last year with pretty 
much the same guys, and they're and they're not doing it this year. Then the, you know their 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 uh, corner, Jahir Alexander. You know he's mouthing up Stefan Diggs, and and he said, "I won the matchup." I don't think so. Who won the game? Mm-hmm. Okay, like, and who had who had the long touchdown reception? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you know I. I'm, I'm actually going to go to the betting service that I, I, I look at and see what are the odds for the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl because I truly believe that is the best team uh, in the NFL right now and one that I, I see them as almost a shoe-in to get if, – if they get to the Super Bowl, of course, Kansas City well, Chiefs. Uh, yeah, no. Number one, you know, last year they played Kansas City on the road in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Lost the game in overtime and probably one of the best – if that should have been the Super Bowl. I, if you watch that game, that was a great game. Mm-hmm. The if they get home field advantage in Buffalo in January, they ain't losing. <laughs> you know, right. it's just not going to happen. Um, you know, they're going to have the weather on their side, and they know how to play in it. Uh, do they win the Super Bowl? Then it remains to be seen. But at the same time. You know, they've gotten through the season and they haven't lost anybody key yet. And they're getting back their best corner. They haven't had their best corner since like week 10 last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tredavious White, he tore an ACL. Okay, he's been practicing the last couple weeks. He's getting activated tomorrow, I think. He might not play this week, but he's getting activated uh, to the 53 this week. And he'll be, you know, for the stretch. He'll be ready to go, and that'll upgrade. They've been playing with rookies at the corner or a, a rookie and a, a second-year guy, but they've been playing a lot of young guys, and that's going to upgrade the secondary tremendously for them. Yeah. It's a stacked team, man. It, it, look at how the Buffalo Bills have built this team, and um, I think Ryan Post has perhaps been studying it too. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. And if you want more information on all the latest transactions in the NFL, tune in to Greg and Aldo. Uh, excuse me, Greg and Aldo. <laughs> it's uh, Dan and Aldo bear their souls. You, you have to come on our show one night, uh, Greg. Do you do, do you do shows at night or, or, or nights verboten for you? No, it just depends what, what, what I'm watching on TV or what tape I'm watching. What are you, what are you watching on Tuesday nights generally? I don't know. There, there, there's some show we started watching. It's like three or four years old. We started watching last night. That's pretty good. It's uh, what the hell's the name of it? It's on Hulu. Um, shit. Now I can't think of the name of it, but it's, it's done up in Canada. Oh, okay. Um, and it's a, you know, a detective type thing. There's three or four seasons. Yeah. Uh, the, I'll tell you what, um, uh, my wife and I just started watching the Alaska Alaska something with uh, yeah my 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 wife watched that I didn't I had didn't get into that the guy the show I liked that she couldn't get into was Peaky Blinders yeah I've not gotten into oh that. my god I love that show and it's done they've already that there's gonna probably be a movie to finish you know to close all the gaps mm-hmm. but you know as far as having seasons they're done with it now. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got a dog that wants to get out of the room here, Aldo. We're getting, we're getting, we're getting out of here now. All right, dog said I've had enough. <laughs> Take care, Greg. And for all you other barflies, make sure you check us out tonight on the Dan and Aldo Bear Your Social. Goodbye, everybody. See you later. 
Hey, everybody, we are back live with GTF Gabriel Talks Football. We just learned that Chase Claypool has been traded to the Chicago Bears by the Pittsburgh Steelers for a second round draft pick. And so immediately Greg said, let's get back on. And that's where, where we're at. Uh, Greg, your immediate reaction to Chase Claypool now being a Chicago Bear. My immediate reaction is, wouldn't you know it, like within two minutes of getting off, the trade happens. It never fails. That's like two weeks in a row. No, I I love the trade. And in all honesty, we are doing the show before. I forgot about Claypool. You, you saw his name mentioned, but not a lot, not and not connected to the Bears. You just saw that he may be available and – uh, Pittsburgh wanted a lot for him, you know, in order to move him. He was a, a, a high second round pick, very, very productive early in his career. This year, he hasn't been as productive. Of course, he had Pickens come in uh, and they got Johnson. And so, uh, and, and they like Pickens regardless of the, of, of the character uh, stuff. But I'll tell you, this is a guy that, you know, when they took Komet, he was, and I like the commit pick, and I still like the commit pick, especially if they're going to run the ball like they are, because that some bitch can block. And mean. the, but the way I thought of this guy, and and part of this was before the the combine when he ran as fast as he did, was that you know he he was about two hundred and thirty five pounds, and he's six four and a quarter, two hundred and thirty five pounds, got long arms. Thought, wow, you could have this guy be your move tight end, you know, and or a and or a wide receiver, and and when you use him as the move, some of the matchup uh, things you could do, matchup advantages that you could do when you get him locked up on a safety, it's like you know put the points on the board. So, you know, when you look at and I got his count my numbers here. You know, he was 6'4 and a quarter. He was 229. He's been playing at over 230. He's got thick hands, 9 and 7 ace. He ran a 4.42. He had a 40 and a half vertical and a 10 foot 6 long jump. And he did 19 reps on the bench. And, and you know what? He fits into the mold that uh, uh, we were talking about earlier. He can block like a son of a bitch. And he's at, you know, at Notre Dame, he started off. Now, you know, this is a guy I know his career really well. He's a Canadian kid from up outside of Vancouver, British Columbia, who, you know, played Canadian football in high school. And then he did end up playing some American football, I think, in a league that played American football. Um, was recruited because he was a freak athlete, not necessarily because of his 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 talent uh, or, or what he had done in, in, in playing Canadian football in high school, goes to Notre Dame, knew it was going to take a, a couple years to uh, develop him to, to learn the game, but just became a, a great player at Notre Dame. And he's still young. He's 24 years old. Mm -hmm. you know, And he's got um, this year and next year on his rookie contract, I've already seen somebody point out that, uh, it might have been Biggs that, uh, you know, you probably figure he's he's got to be in line for, you know, you're giving up a second-round pick. You're, you're not going to let this guy walk a free agency. You're going to try to get a deal done. And, you know, with his size, 
he fits that mold that, that they were looking for, the big, fast X receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, because he, like I said, he can jump out of the building. Uh, he's a real good blocker and can just, you know, be if you want to put him on teams, he's a great cover guy. He can outrun the defense, take the top off. Good player. And, and, and you know, I'm a little surprised that, that Poles would, would give up a two at this point, because like I said, but this, you know, in thinking about it, I think they already had discussions on this going into the trade yesterday. Might have had some preliminary discussions with Pittsburgh on this trade and then, you know, kept it moving then when they got that other second. Now, which number two are they giving up? Are they giving yeah, up Stone or they giving up Baltimore's? I hope it's Baltimore's and you keep your and to hold on your own. Yeah, there seems to be some confusion among uh, media members. Some are saying Baltimore second, some are saying Chicago's. So we won't report on anything un- until uh, the Bears themselves tell us what's going on. Um, and I got to tell you, uh, at the Senior Bowl, I-, I interviewed Chase Claypool, and my first question to him was, "What do you think about some reports that some NFL teams are thinking?" of moving you to the tight end position. And he stared at me like he was going to kick my ass. And he said, I'm a wide receiver. And, and that was it. Man. Well, uh, he, you know, it, it, it's funny. And I, I remember you told me that story, but the move tight end is a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He's just playing inside. You know, sometimes he's lined up on a wig, but so it's, it's like the, you know, the kid Atlanta took, what the hell's his name? that took him last year. He runs a four, four. Kyle Fitz. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, you're talking identical athletes. These are freak athletes that you can do a lot with. And, um, okay, Pelissero said, according to Daryl Smith, Pelissero says it's it's Chicago's pick. Um, I hope that's not right. I hope it's Baltimore's pick. But, you know, what difference does it make? Maybe we hope Baltimore loses. And then <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what do you think about a lot of people are saying that in essence, this is Roquan uh, for Chase Claypool. Uh, th- th- that makes it sound pretty good to my ears because you're acquiring a guy who has another year left on his contract for a guy who was headed towards free agency or the franchise tag. Uh, you're also, and the, the, the draft picks don't, exactly wash each other out because one's a second one's a fourth but i do like the if it was quan for claypool i'd be happy with that well you got don't forget you got the the fifth round pick and aj klein figured into that so it's all part of the equation so um you know i'm just looking at the position they were drafted and claypool was drafted in the 40s uh, let me, I'll tell you exactly what it was in one second. He yeah, was position number 49. Right. So, and, and even though he's had uh, very good production, especially his first two years, now this is much this year. Um, you're, you know, you, you, they're getting him at a premium to where he was drafted. But, you know, 62 catches for 869 yards and, and two TDs. Now, this year, you know, you have Mitchell playing quarterback. You got a rookie playing quarterback. You know, he almost 
you got to throw this out. You got to go back to when Big Ben was there. And uh, um, in his rookie season with Big Ben, he caught six right. passes for nine touchdowns. That's that's not shabby. Now, the only thing fans are going to, you know, want this guy to come in and light it up on Sunday. <laughs> is, you know, they might have a few plays for him on Sunday, but unless the Steeler system terminology, we've talked about this a lot, unless the Steeler system terminology is similar to this one that they're playing here, it's going to take him some time to get up to speed and be able to play because of all the sight adjustments he's got to make. He said, you can, you can, Spot feed him a little bit, make some plays, put some uh, plays in the playbook for him for this week, uh, get him on the field, and and hopefully stretch the field a little bit. But he's not. It's going to be a couple weeks before he's ready for full time action. Yeah, um, probably three weeks before. You know, another three games. So you know they've played eight, so nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Game twelve, so twelve through seventeen, he'll probably be you know a hundred percent. Have you heard anything from your circles about uh, Claypool's um, behavior? I mean, there's, and I, I can't say with any certainty what reports are out there, but I have heard some mumblings of, that he can be a bit of a malcontent. Uh, I don't know if any of that is true. What have you heard anything at all? There's been some things in Pittsburgh. I don't know exactly what they were. I know at Notre Dame, he was a class act Mm -hmm. and, you know, no problems with them whatsoever. And, you know, they ran a tight ship there. Now Mm -hmm. here, here's the key. And I I put it out in a tweet. Two of his teammates from Notre Dame were on this team. Mm -hmm. Matt and Mustafer. That makes the transition that much easier. That's a good point. He, yeah. walks, he walks into the locker room. He's got two buddies. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, you know, and, and were both of them the same class? No. Yeah, both of both of them were in this, his same class. Yes, so they, they were. They, they go back. You know, they go back to um, coming in together as freshmen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember um, pushing for Claypool to be drafted by the Chicago Bears and preferred him over Cole Komet, although I wasn't upset with the Komet uh, selection. But I I just figured the incredible speed that Claypool has and the big body, boy, that made him so intriguing as a prospect. And it's good to see that in his career with uh, the Steelers, he really has lived up to those promises. Now in his second year, when his touchdown numbers receded, obviously had a lot to do with big Ben and the fact that that offense was, was deteriorating right before our eyes because Ben Roethlisberger was deteriorating. Uh, And this season, as you mentioned with the revolving quarterbacks and so forth, he probably hasn't been able to get going as quickly as possible, but I have great, great hopes for, for Chase Claypool. And I love, I really, really love this deal. I think it's great. You're not going to hear a complaint from me. Uh, The key to me is you got to get, you got to get an extension done with the guy. Now, you know, it doesn't have to be this week, (laughs) you know, but just sometime in the future and hopefully before the end of next season. And don't forget, you know, you gotta, you got to take care of Mooney too. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. You got to take care of Mooney. You got to take care of uh, Cole Komet. Too, uh, because they were dra- he and uh, as you mentioned, 
Uh, he and Claypool came out the same year, so those contracts. They're all. They're all. They all came out the same year, I think. Yep. So all of that money that we've got in salary cap, that can all go pretty quickly. Just re-signing some of your own guys, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. We we thought some of it was going to go to Roquan, so it, it it'll be interesting, you know, how they choose to. Uh, you know, use that money in free agency versus the draft. You, you've given up. This takes wide receiver out of the equation for day one and day two in the draft. It doesn't, you know, if you're going to go best available on day three and you've got multiple picks on day three. And, you know, look at, in fact, one receiver I loved in last year's draft is up there with the, uh, the cheese heads in the, uh, and they got him on day three and that's dubs. Mm-hmm. I, and, and we talked about him on the show, loved dubs. And I, I don't know why he, well, part of it was he was, he was hurt all during the um, combine pro day workout scene. He might've had a pulled muscle jump. So nobody had a time on him. I uh, played at UNLV uh, was mostly a vertical receiver at UNLV, but you put the tape on. The tape was exciting. And, you know, big guy who could stretch the field. And you got him late. Got Mooney late. You know, the, you can find – and in this this coming draft, you know, there's receivers out there. You're going to get a good receiver. You're going to get a, a starter into the third – an immediate starter into the third round. And after that, you're going to get really good developmental guys that that got some talent. So um, it, it just it, it takes care of a, a big need. And uh, they did it with the, you know, with the one pick they got for Roquan. So they put that to work right away. And that's uh, got to be happy with that because it helps Justin this year. Mm-hmm. And it better help Justin this year because the defense looks like it might stink the rest of the year. Yeah, I sent somebody a note. So now, now the Bears games will be like 50 to 49. You're going to see scores like that with the uh, anticipated uh, decline of the defense because of the missing Quinn and, and, and Roquan. What the, and I know this is a difficult uh, question for you to answer because it's you know speculating, but – what do you think this does for the clubhouse? Do you think that they're happier now or they, they're still maybe mumbling and grumbling over the losing of two veterans based on your experience in the league and being in so many locker rooms and, and getting the temperature of players during these kind of tumultuous player movement times? What do you, what do you think? How do you think the bears uh, locker room is going to react? Well, you know, you're dealing with two different sides of the ball. So the loss of Quinn and the loss of Roquan affects the defensive side of the ball. Okay. Okay. And, you know, most it's not that, that you don't have friendships on both sides of the ball, but you're dealing, you know, with those two particular players, you're dealing with the defense and how they interact on a day-to-day basis and practice meetings, etc. Now, now you're, you're bringing in a player that can hopefully upgrade the offense Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's another big receiver. And, I, and I'll tell you what, you know, I was a little skeptical of the uh, Harry trade for a seventh round pick because, you know, he, he didn't play up the expectations in New England, uh, but he wouldn't be the first player. Uh, who's the, uh, the receiver we were talking about in the show earlier who down in, in Texas, Brandon Cooks, 
you know, he didn't live up to expectations in New England either. And they, they shipped him out and he's had a pretty darn good career, just that he can't stay in one place longer than two years. Mm-hmm. The, but he looks like he can be that big possession receiver type guy, you know, kind of like a, like an A-Rob was. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Brandon Marshall, uh, another name that comes to mind. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's not quite as he's not quite as tall as as Marshall. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's a six three guy, but he's he's a big six three, and Claypool's a big six four. I mean, we're talking two hundred thirty pounds plus, long arms, and uh, you know that he would be. He's because of his athleticism and his size. He becomes a nightmare for the defense. But again, I don't want to, you know, I want to go one step at a time. He's he's still got to get acclimated to playing this scheme, and it's not easy to learn. Right. You know, you got to be able to make sight adjustments at full speed. So um, patience is the word, just like I've been saying with other things. You got to be patient with this guy. Don't expect him to come in and catch seven passes for 150 yards on Sunday against Miami. Because yeah, I doubt that's going to happen. This has got to be bad news for one player on the team, and that's going to be a, a, one of the receivers. My thought is is that Brian Pringle, no fault of his own, the injuries have really ruined his at least the first half of the season for him. Uh, but he might be a, a guy that's going to have a hard time getting back onto the field with Nikhil Harry's uh, availability now and then trying to work Claypool back in. I was really excited about Pringo joining the Bears, but he may never get a chance to really prove his value. No, but I think what you're going to see is what we've been seeing the last few weeks, and, you know, everybody's going to be playing. The only guy that that is the uh, uh, every down guy is Mooney. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the other guys have been, you know, uh, EQ has been playing a lot too, especially because of his blocking ability. By the way, there's another teammate. Forgot about that. EQ and, and Claypool were teammates. So, and, and to go back to your, your, your question before, you know, a new guy coming in, those three guys make it a lot easier. He's got relationships. Mm-hmm. And between EQ and um, – I think EQ was a year ahead of, of Claypool, but between EQ and, and Mustafer and Komet, you know, the other guys can, okay, what's this guy like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and you've got friends that can speak highly of them. So it really smooths the transition. Very good. Uh, Free Palestine says Harry and Claypool on the outside and Mooney in the slot. And then Valus Jones is a gadget guy. You know, that lineup there, uh, let's let's fast forward to 2023 with these guys having a full training camp working together with Justin Fields and so forth. That lineup there for wide receivers and then you draft a developmental wide receiver, that, that all of a sudden looks like it goes from a question mark to a plus, in my opinion. What do you think about the long-term uh, not long-term as in 10 years, but uh, two or three years of the wide receiver position, just giving these names up on the screen. On, on paper, it looks good. Uh, you know, remains to be seen what they're going to do together as a group. But I think one of the important things, too, is they're young. They're all young. 
Shit, Bayless might be the old man. <laughs> He's the rookie. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, he might be. <laughs> uh, let's see. Sam Rush says, having legit speed and playmaking ability along with our running attack will make this offense scary. Yeah, I mean, the offense I saw against the Cowboys was already approaching scary. You add Claypool. Claypool and it could legitimately be scary. We might be seeing a shootout at Soldier Field Sunday with the, with the Dolphins. Well, yeah, don't 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 put the the cart in front of the horse. He's got it's going to take him a little bit. You, you might have a handful of plays for him where he knows exactly what to do and and might not have to make a sight adjustment type of thing. Okay, you know, you call the play and say uh, you run a you know you run a post. Make your cut of twenty, and that you know, keep it simple for them. Wow! Because this is how... go ahead. Well, I was going to say that uh, it, it's your boy says as a Steelers fan, you guys got a potential star in your hands. If he keeps on developing correctly, he's six foot four with four three speed. He is a nice pick. You got that? It's your boy. We're very excited about him. Uh, Greg saw him plenty over at Notre Dame, um, and so we will be seeing a lot of him in Chicago. Now, sophisticated thought is saying Bradley Chubb has been traded to the Dolphins. I, I can't, I can't imagine that. Let me, let's get a verification on that. Let me go to the old Twitter machine, which is our new source nowadays for so many things. Um, I'll say one thing: Chubb hadn't done shit in Denver. Mm. Yep. Broncos are trading, uh, are completing a trade of star pass rusher Bradley Chubb, sending him to the Dolphins for at least a 2023 first round pick, uh, according to Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissaro. Okay. So you're not a big fan of him? Um, he He's had flashes, but he hasn't totally lived up to expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and since Von Miller has been gone from, you know, since the middle of last season when he went to the Rams and now he's in Buffalo, he really hadn't done a whole lot. Mm. Brummy Bear, yes, Greg has given the thumbs up to the trade. Uh, I think a lot of Bears followers are are excited about the, the prospects of Chase Claypool. No, the, the, the big thing is he's, a, he's on his rookie contract. Mm-hmm. He's already got skins on the wall. He's only 24 years old. Let me see when he's going to do. I got his date of birth somewhere. Uh, he just turned 24 in July. He's a, so he's, he's a young 24. He's a young blood. Yeah. Young guy who, um, you know, hopefully just keeps getting better. Yeah. Um, in terms of learning a playbook from the wide receiver position, that has to be one of the tougher positions to learn a, a playbook from, right? Particularly in this offense, as you mentioned earlier. Well, again, and I, I know I'm repeating myself, but if if Pittsburgh's offense, and I don't know anything about Pittsburgh's offense, from the standpoint of terminology and what they're asking the receivers to do, if there's similarity then the transition won't be that hard. Mm-hmm. If if the terminology is like the total opposite, here's the thing. See, what, what happens in, in the Bears scheme for the wide receivers and for Justin Fields is they call a play. 
Okay. And so you got, you know, you got four receivers involved in that place, a tight end and three wides, or maybe even a back. And the play calls for one, two, three, and four to each run a certain route. But at the snap, the defense does something different from what you think the pre-snap look is or whatever. Now at full speed, all of one, two, three, four got to do something different. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's the difficulty. It's the adjustment. And th- it, it's a two way adjustment. And that not only does the receiver have to see it based on the coverage that he sees, but the quarterback's got to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the other thing about Claypool that I was excited about when he was at Notre Dame, he was an outstanding special teams player. Oh. He was a- that's how he started out because, you know, he's a freak athlete and, you know, he, he's no pussy now. He'll, he'll knock your head off. Yeah. Um, Nomad has a question. He, he wonders, do you think that Eddie Jackson might ask for a trade given these circumstances with all this turmoil going on with the team? Um, he can ask all he wants. He's got a big contract. <laughs> That's right. He does. It's going to be hard to move. <laughs> Uh, you know, so, that, that, and, and I, you know what, his, his career, let's look at it logically. He's had a resurrection, a resurrection, you know, a, 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 on his career playing in this scheme. And right now, you know, interceptions, tackles, everything else, you know, he's like the player we thought he was a few years ago. Why the hell would he want to leave? Yeah. Um, Free Palestine says, would this trade mean that the Bears will go all in for fields uh, and the, in the offseason, you know, trying to you know, come you know, I, I, Don't forget you got defensive head coach. <laughs> That's right. And, and the uh, defense gave up 49 last week, was it? Mm-hmm. You know, let, let's, let's go one step at a time. And they're going to have money. Okay, are they going to go – buy some defensive linemen or are they going to draft defensive linemen? Are they going to, you know, are they going to buy one or two offensive linemen or are they going to draft them? You know, and, and you're going to know the answer about the third week in March, you know, three or four days into free agency when you see what they did the first few days of free agency, mm-hmm. because they're going to do, the, 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 you take care of needs two ways, free agency and the draft. So the direction they go in free agency, look for the opposite in the draft. Yeah. I agree with Free Palestine when he says Eddie Jackson has got to be loving this situation. He's playing in a defense that is perfectly suited for his skills. We're seeing that with the numbers. We're seeing that with his improved play. Uh, We had a question from Sam Rush, which is interesting. We were talking about Claypool learning the offense. And so Sam asked, uh, could another wide receiver tell Claypool his alignment and assignment after the call by JF1? I would say no to that. You don't really want to see on-field coaching going on. That's very disruptive to a team. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you can do it in the puddle, but the adjustments are made at the line of scrimmage when you're coming off the ball. Yeah. Okay, right. let's let's say it looks like they're in man coverage, you know, based on the alignment. Mm-hmm. And it looks like straight man across. But then at the snap, 
the corners instead of playing press or dropping back and they're really in zone it might even be three deep zone or something so your 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 pre-snap look told you one thing but the the actual defensive play is something else now this is where your receivers got to say okay you know and it's an instantaneous thing okay mm-hmm. against against press i was doing this route now it's zone now i'm doing something different yeah yeah so yeah. i got to know what this is and and make the side adjustment, and the key is at full speed. Yeah, good point. Michael Henneman says the wide receivers in the free agency aren't that great. Besides T. Higgins, seems like Poles is getting ahead of the situation by getting Claypool now plus nine games this year to help to build their relationship with Justin. I think that's a really good point. You know, it allows, as you said earlier in the show. Uh, Greg, now it uh, it allows uh, that wide receiver position to be kind of off the board for the first two days of the NFL draft. You pick up a receiver in day three, you you could find a really good developmental wide receiver. Right, and and you're getting a guy a year younger. In, in free agency, you're you're going to pay, especially mm-hmm. for a guy as talented as Chase Claypool. Okay, you can say, uh, you know, let's use the the contract Velda Scantling got. What was that, ten million a year, or whatever? Right. And and he was coming out of his. Well, Claypool's been ten times more productive than Velda Scantling. Okay, right. and and so, and on top of that, so you, he just turned twenty four a couple months ago. You, you still got a youngster here. Exactly. Um, a question from our man at Jordan. He's saying, of all the rumored wide receivers for trade, where did Claypool sit with you? Assuming that DJ Moore, Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, who I know you've, you're on record, no to Mims, Jerry Judy, Terrence Marshall. If, if those guys were all available and you were putting up your big board uh, because the GM asked you to, where would you rank Claypool with those wide receivers? Well, First of all, I don't believe all those guys were really available. Okay, it's what, 138 right now? How many of those guys got traded so far? <laughs> Claypool. So, and, and in all honesty, I didn't think Pittsburgh would be able to move them because you know, it was in print. They wanted two. And I thought, you know, who's going to give up a two? And what helped the Bears do that is moving Roquan. They got the extra two. So now they still got today, right now at at 1.30, what they had at 11 o'clock yesterday morning. Mm -hmm. You know, before they made, you know, plus an extra five. So that allowed them to pay the asking price for, uh, Claypool, and so, but to get back to, to Jordan's thing, see, I'm not a big fan of little receivers. I've learned that about you. <laughs> um, no, I mean, a, a guy who's six feet and 185, that's fine. But some of these other guys, now, you know, you go back to the 21 draft, mm-hmm. and a bunch of these little midgets got drafted <laughs> real high. Uh-huh. How many have been productive? Not no, even, seriously. How many not, have been productive? Uh, maybe Very one. Few. Yeah. yeah, they haven't done anything. And and now DJ Moore, he was he 
he just got extended. He was never getting traded. That was strictly a media thing. Yeah. You know, they saw him, they traded uh, the running back. And so, uh, oh, yeah, they're going to trade DJ Moore. And I know Scott Fitter. He was never trading DJ Moore. Mm. He just gave him more money. You know, so, but uh, Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, eh, he, he's a guy. Elijah Moore, he's, you know, he's a little guy. You only can play with so many little guys that, you, you know, you get your ass kicked with those guys, you know, <laughs> physically. Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy's, an, I mean, he's a very interesting guy. I don't believe that he's really available. Yeah. I, you know, still on, on, on this first contract, tons of upside. I, I find that hard to believe, too. But I don't, I, you know, I, I had a ton of respect for, for George Payton. I've known him for a gazillion years. But, you know, I, I got a question. The call he made, and it was his call on the head coach. Because mm -hmm. I have never been a fan of that guy. I mean, going back, he was offensive coordinator in Buffalo for a few years, and and Hackett just and he was at Syracuse before that. He just, you know, he, he's never done it, done it for me. Um, he hadn't done anything in Denver, and and the thing that's scary is they're not doing anything. You got brand new ownership that didn't take control of the team until after the season began. In reality, and so. How these guys spent what four billion for that team or something like that? What you know? How safe is George's job? How safe is the the coach's job? They may say, you know what, we're going to start all over. This is our team. We paid four billion dollars. We're going to start all over. Jordan is absolutely giddy with the acquisition of Claypool. He's been pounding the table for him for weeks now, and uh, he also asked this question: Do you have a scouting report? for Chase Claypool that you wrote up. Uh, were you doing uh, Pro Football Weekly's draft report in 2020, I want to say? No, I was in the XFL. That's right. So you didn't do much scouting of no, that. No, but I, I I have seen every game Claypool has played mm -hmm. in, in college. Uh, you know, Notre Dame fan, I always watch Notre Dame games. Um, no, he's, he's talented. I mean, he was – in fact, it wouldn't have shocked me if he went in the back end of the first round, mm -hmm. especially when he were, I did not expect him to work out. I know he's going to be a freak athlete. I didn't think he was going to run four, four, two. And then he's run under four, four on several occasions. I didn't think he, you know, was going to run that good. Um, you know, jump 40 inches in the air at 230 something pounds. This guy is an explosive freak athlete. I love him. I love him. Let's take a look at uh, Lance Erline. We've done this before. We've taken a look at one of his reports. Uh, we did this with Justin Fields a couple of weeks ago, or three weeks ago. Um, and, and and you have respect for Lance, but you don't always agree with him, fair to say, correct? Fair to say. Okay. Well, uh, just look at the weaknesses that he listed for Claypool. Now, this is coming out of college, out of Notre Dame. He's, he he, he – he listed him as a guy that is going to become a where's the number at? Oh, 6.32 will eventually be a plus starter. So let's just go over to the weaknesses. Very little wiggle or juice after the catch. I think that's fair to say about the big guy, isn't it? Mm, no, he's got run after the catch. Would you say he's elusive? 
No, I wouldn't say that. Mm -hmm. But he's strong. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> very strong. You see that in some of the highlights. Pedestrian release to challenge press. I'm not sure I agree with that based on no, I don't agree with that, and especially with the strength. He can yeah. get off, you know, with the, with the press, he can get off the press easily. He's already proven that right. in the league. Average getting in and out of the break point. That one I can't comment on. What are your thoughts? Uh, no, I, I disagree with that too. See, here's, here's what happens, and I understand where Lance is coming from, mm -hmm. is that you've got a tall, long receiver. Okay, so those guys, remember I, I said earlier, I didn't think he was going to run 4-4-0, 4-3-8, which he ended up running. Why? Because he's a, he's a taller guy, a little bit of a strider, so you're, you're not a quick stepper, in other words. Mm -hmm. But you're, you know, you, with every step you take, you're gaining more ground because you have a longer stride, and so you have deceptive speed and deceptive quickness. So... Uh, again, he's proven at the uh, NFL level that he can get separation because he's gotten it. So now, was the passing game at Notre Dame? Because, you know, his final year at Notre Dame, he just jumped out. He had a great year. And we already uh, explained part of that. This guy, you know, was born in Canada, brought up in Canada, wasn't really exposed to real American football until he got to Notre Dame. So he was, you know, he was two steps behind when he got into college. So, you know, reality, he's still growing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, he's definitely going to be growing here in Chicago. He's going to see a lot of passes once he. he and I mean, it. growing as a player, not, not physically. Right. right. Um, let's see a couple more of these weaknesses so that we can comment on, um, let's go full. Yeah. Finger. Then we got, then we got to get going pretty soon because I got a couple things I got to do here. Yeah. I unless, mean, unless there's another trade, you know, uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, let's get a, uh, uh, he can be tardy with catch ready hands. That to me for a wide receiver is very concerning. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know, even know what he means. I mean, is that getting his hands up? Yeah, getting them ready for a catch. Thumbs facing yeah. fingers. I, 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 here's the answer to that. Notre Dame's wide receiver coach when he was there uh, was a guy, I think his name was Dell Alexander, and he's one of the first guys Marcus Freeman let go when he became the head coach, got elevated to the head coach position. Uh, was not a very, he was a horrible recruiter, and he wasn't a very good uh, position coach. Mm -hmm. So I, I, again, I'm going back to what's his background. Mm -hmm. And once you get into, do you have the physical traits to do what you're supposed to do at the NFL level? And that's without question. Yes. Okay. So it, it, now it's, it's learning and learning the proper things to do and now this is his, what, third year in the league, he's already grown quite a bit. Yeah, indeed. All right, I think it's. Uh, I think we should leave it there. 40 minutes talking about Chase Claypool. We could do it for another hour. We'll probably do it tonight on the Dan and Aldo Bear, their social. I think Danny Shimon is going to join us. He just reached out to me and said, I'm available tonight if you need me, and we will need him. He is the protege of Greg Grabio. How long did you teach that class on uh, – uh, on scouting. 
Uh, well, Danny was at the live class. Okay. So we, I mean, there was an online version, um, at, you know, with the videos and stuff. Right. Uh, then we did a live class right here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And people, there's what, maybe 23, 24 people over a weekend mm-hmm. downtown. And uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, yeah. it was like a, in fact, you know, Mike McCartney, we had on the show, he came in, I think, on day one. And, uh, you know, we talked about the, the agent player relationship and negotiating contracts and stuff. So the, it was a great time. Sounds like a blast. I wish I would have been there. All right. Um, just a, a note for people watching on video and those who listen to the audio version of this show. I'm going to edit both of these shows, the one we did earlier in the day with Greg and this one, edit them together so that way you don't have to download two different shows with Greg Gabriel talking about Roquan Smith, Chase Claypool, and so much more. Greg, you're the absolute best. Uh, we'll talk to you very soon. And you do, might do, I get, do I get double time for this? You get triple time. Oh, okay. <laughs> Three so times zero equals zero. Exactly. That's, 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 that's what they first tell you in kindergarten when you're first learning math. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, you know what? Speaking of triples, if the Bears make another move, <laughs> I'm going to call you. You're going to pull a triple today. <laughs> 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 you really are the best. Thank you very much. And we'll see you all. Guys. We see okay, everyone buddy. later. Take care. See you later. <laughs>